Good morning. Welcome to worship. Our gospel today is from the 12th chapter of Luke, beginning as verse 49. Glory to you, O Lord. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately say, I'm going to, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? The gospel of our Lord. I invite you to pray with me the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together today. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, granted by that same Holy Spirit, we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, I learned something again today as I was listening to our prelude this morning, or our call to worship. Piano speaks, or should I say, because of the dynamics of what was being played, softly, loudly, some more intensely, some more gently, it speaks. And I was thinking, that's... What it's, that's what a preacher is supposed to do, you know? A preacher is supposed to go and be a little dynamic in a while, you know? Get your attention. <laughs> but then sometimes we speak softly. Oh, well, just, just an aside note. I know, some of you are saying, oh, yeah, there he goes, off one of his little tangents again. Just get on with it. All right, I will. Let's see. What does Jesus say? I've come to bring fire on the earth. You think I've come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. That's every confirmation student's favorite Bible verse. <laughs> right? Nobody, nobody thought that was funny? Nobody thought we should laugh at that? It's 8 o'clock. We need to wake up. Ah, oh, yes, every preacher wants to preach on this text. Six years ago, I introduced, my, I introduced myself and you to a word. And that word I introduced you to six years ago and introduced myself to six years ago was the word conflagration. It's one of those common everyday words that we just kind of throw around and use in everyday uh, conversation, do we not? Conflagration. I quoted one of my commentary sources, the Reverend David Lose. He says, the mission of Jesus, the mission of Jesus started with a conflagration on earth. 
One that has never subsided and will burn on until the end of time. The word conflagration means an extensive, all-consuming fire. The mission of Jesus started an extensive, all-consuming fire over 2,000 years ago. Now, obviously, that quote was meant to be heard metaphorically and not literally. And yet it is a statement that makes a very strong point. And the point is, is that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it started a movement. A life-changing, life-altering, transformational fire that has touched the lives of millions and millions of people over the last 2,000 years. Wouldn't you say that is a conflagration? Something so powerful, something so life-changing, something so divinely inspired that it has caused millions upon millions of people to say, yes, I believe in this person as being the Lord of my life. The mission of Jesus, his baptism by fire in dying on the cross, to show the world... And to tell the world just how much God loves, just to show how much God loves God's beloved children, it has forever changed the face of humanity, and it still is. I met with a couple last night before church, just sitting in the pew, They had brought a couple of their friends with them last week. The first time that this couple had been back in church for a long time. This couple, when the invitation came for them to come to receive Holy Communion, they came up to the altar and they received communion. And after church, that couple shared with the family, the the other couple, They said that was the first time that they had received communion in 57 years. The first time they had received communion in 57 years. And yet it happened right here at Mount Olive Lutheran Church. I think the Holy Spirit was here last Saturday night. I know the Holy Spirit was here because it touched somebody's life to give them the courage to come up to this altar and to kneel here and to receive communion. Holy Communion, after 57 years. Let's be honest, most of us don't want to hear these words from the mouth of Jesus today. They sound harsh, and yet they speak the reality of what life, this life-altering, this life-changing movement, it speaks the truth about what has gone on and happened throughout history One of the things that we learn from all of our passages today is the fact that faith mattered. Faith mattered in every one of those persons' lives. The prophet of God spoke a word, as Jeremiah says today. Many false prophets came prophesying lies, but I, the God who am nearby, says, let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. Is not my word like fire or like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Oh, how I wish 
I know it's not going to happen. Well, maybe I'm just being a man of weak faith when I say this. I, I, I wish somehow God would come down and just kind of crush all the lies that are flying around in this nation right now. We used to have a reputation as a country that we were one nation under God. <laughs> sure doesn't seem like it anymore. We're a nation divided that lives off of lies. It lives off of falsities. Oh, how I wish God would come down like fire and crush, and crush the lies. And our passage from Hebrews, oftentimes referred to as the Faith Hall of Fame, we are reminded once again that those people throughout salvation history, that faith mattered. And it wasn't always pretty, and it wasn't and it was oftentimes divisive. Let, me, let us refresh ourselves with just a few of the litanies from verse 33 and beyond. Who through faith conquered kingdoms? Who through faith administered justice? Who through faith obtained promises? Who quenched raising, raging fire? Who won strength out of weakness? And yet through faith others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Through faith there were those who were stoned to death, killed by the sword, persecuted and tormented, and yet the world was not worthy of them. For those people throughout salvation history, faith mattered. just seems like faith doesn't seem to matter much anymore. Especially when I see the lunacy and the ridiculousness of the way people act and the words that come out of their mouths. You know, I'm looking forward to the day when I retire because then I can really speak what I really want to say. And then it doesn't matter anymore because nobody can fire me or nobody can stop giving me my paycheck. But that's the problem with us pastors these days is that we can't speak the truth anymore. We can't be prophetic because we're concerned about our paycheck. We're concerned about our pensions. And we can't speak the truth. I'm grateful for those who help me to understand. And one of those sources that helps me understand is Deb Thomas. I've quoted her multiple times. And she wrote this. She says, when Jesus speaks of division rather than peace... She says he's being descriptive, not prescriptive. He's not prescribing division, but rather he's simply describing what his presence has caused. She further explains, she says, it's not Jesus' desire, it is not Jesus' desire, nor is it Jesus' purpose to set fathers against mothers and sons against fathers or mothers against daughters. It's certainly not his will that we stir up conflict for conflict's sake. But his words are a necessary reminder that the peace that Jesus offers us is not the fake peace. Rather, the peace that Jesus offers us is the holistic, truth-telling, disinfecting peace. I'd like to see a whole lot of holistic, truth-telling, disinfecting peace showered down upon this country. This country needs to be disinfected. Oh, maybe I'm speaking too boldly, am I now? Am I speaking too much truth for anybody to hear? Oh, well, I guess I'll get my paycheck withdrawn. 
That kind of deep, life-changing peace that doesn't hesitate to break in order to mend, to cut, in order to heal. Jesus will name realities we don't want named. He will expose lies we tell ourselves out of laziness and stubbornness. And this is not because Jesus wants us to suffer. It's because he knows that real peace is worth fighting for. The mission of Jesus started a conflagration on earth, one that has never subsided and will burn on until the end of time. I certainly hope that's true. I'd like to be a prophetic voice. I'm sure there's a lot of other people who would like to be a prophetic voice. His movement is an all-consuming fire. And one of the things that I need to keep reminding myself of each day is what I heard spoken in the Jeremiah passage today. I need to remind myself each day that God is nearby even though I oftentimes find it hard to hear God, that this all-consuming fire through the gift of the Holy Spirit that still is in me and in you, that it is being rekindled by God in my life and in your life every day. And not only is this all-consuming fire being rekindled But it is a fire that is in the constant process of refining me. And I don't know about you, hopefully you're honest with yourself, I'd like to think that you think you you need to be refined every day too. When I think about being refined, I mean that my life continues to be shaped and molded by God, by Jesus, by His love, by His grace, by His forgiveness. And that refining that continues to keep happening in me, that it makes it possible for me to reflect the image of God through my life and my witness in the world. And oh, by the way, that refining, that shaping, that molding process is oftentimes painful, and it does mean that I am broken down into pieces And that my illusions and my selfishness and my pride, that they need to be called out. Just like your selfishness and your illusions and your pride need to be called out. And to take all of that, take all those pieces that are shattered, and then God refines them and remolds them and reshapes them into something new. I read somewhere that there's a story about a woman who visits a silversmith And she asks how he knows when the silver is refined. And the silversmith says, when I see my face in the silver. I've heard it said that God is the refiner, carefully holding his gaze on each of us as he refines precious metal until it reflects his own image back at him. Can you see yourself? Can you see yourself being refined To the point where God looks in at you and sees God reflected back through us. Can you see that in you? I hope so. That's what I hope for every day. I hope that somehow Jesus refines me and every single day Jesus continues to mold me and shape me and refine me to the point where Jesus is looking at me and Jesus is seeing a reflection of him in me. This is the God with the all-consuming fire who is nearby each and every day, rekindling the fire of his love in you and me, constantly in the process of refining you and me to be a reflection of God's love in the world. 
It is a daily rekindling process. It is a daily refining, remolding, and reshaping, making us new every day. I leave you these words spoken by and written by Reverend Megan Feldmeyer. She's the, she's the chaplain, chaplain at Duke University. She wrote, and she said, Remember that God is with you in the fire, that you are being molded into something precious, Like the ashes left after the forest fire produces rich soil, the ashes left behind after the strange fire of God's refining are the starting point for a new life. This has been true since the beginning. God has used dust and ash to create since the Garden of Eden, kneeling down in the soil, breathing new life. And God can and does this with us Today and every day, God kneels in the dirt and the ash. God gets down there in the muck and the mire with you and me. And he gently whispers and tends and patiently cherishes and coaxes new life out of places that are charred and ruined. Where we see only worthless destruction, God sees promise and hope in this burnt and ashy ground, new life is going to come. Amen. Uh, Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. The Father has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.